Section 27 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 7, Chapter 5, Punishment, the Auto de Fe, Part 1. The Act of Faith, the Auto de Fe, was the name by which the Spanish Holy Office dignified the Sermo of the Old Inquisition. In its full development, it was an elaborate public solemnity, carefully devised to inspire awe for the mysterious authority of the Inquisition, and to impress the population with a wholesome abhorrence of heresy, by representing in so far as it could the tremendous drama of the Day of Judgment it was regarded as an eminently pious duty. Ferdinand, in 1499, congratulating the inquisitors of Saragossa on the reports of their autos, and the consequent edification of the people, exhorts them to continue to serve God and to discharge their consciences and his. In a similar mood, Cardinal Adrian, in 1517, urged the tribunal of Sicily to celebrate one as early as possible, for, besides the service to God, it would greatly edify the people. The old designation of Sermo was derived from the sermon with which the proceedings commenced, originally preached by one of the inquisitors, but subsequently by some eloquent fraile, who dilated on the supreme importance of preserving the faith in its purity, and of exterminating heresy and heretics. To ensure a large audience, an indulgence, usually of forty days, was granted to all present at the pious work. At the height of its power, the Inquisition spared no labor or expense to lend impressiveness to the auto publico general, as demonstration of its authority and of the success with which it performed its functions. In the earlier and busier period, the exhibition was simpler and confined to the practical work in hand. Thus, in the first one celebrated at Toledo, August 16, 1486, the victims were marched on foot to the plaza, their hands tied with ropes across the breast, wearing sanbenitos of yellow linen with their names and the inscription, Hereje Condenado, and bearing mitres on their heads. In the plaza they were ranged in tiers on a staging, while the inquisitors and their officials occupied another staging opposite. The sentence of each one was read, and, although the culprits were numerous, the affair, commencing at 6 a.m., was over by noon when the convicts were carried to the brasero, or quemadero, for burning. Apparently the exhibition consisted only of those condemned to the stake, to the exclusion of the reconciled or otherwise penanced. The autos of the period, moreover, were not confined to the seats of the tribunals. We hear of them in the smaller towns, and, from a letter of Ferdinand, November 21, 1498, it appears that the convicts were distributed to their several bishoprics, where the celebration and execution, though on a minor scale, would bring the terror of the Inquisition and the danger of heresy more directly home to the people. By 1515, however, we may assume that they were centralized in the tribunal cities, for a royal cedula of that year orders the tribunal of Murcia to confine its autos to the city of Murcia, and not to celebrate them in Orihuela. 
it was evidently desired to render them more impressive, and this was further accomplished about the same time, by requiring all penitents to appear in them, for, in 1517, we find the Suprema instructing the Tribunal of Navarre that, in future, abjurations de levi were not to be made privately, but in the public autos, which were to be celebrated with all solemnity. There was cruelty in this, for appearance in an auto was in itself a severe punishment, and we shall see that subsequently autos particulares, or private autos, were instituted which enabled those guilty of lighter offenses to escape without public humiliation. Thus far autos were held at the discretion of the tribunals, which celebrated them whenever there was an accumulation of finished trials requiring relief to the prisons. A consulta de fe would be assembled, the sentences would be agreed upon, and a day would be appointed. It probably was not often that any external interference was apprehended, as at Cuenca in 1520, where the tribunal had so excited popular passion by arresting the deputy Corregidor, in some collision of jurisdictions, that it was obliged to procure a royal cedula instructing the Corregidor not to permit the inquisitors to be impeded in the performance of their functions. Gradually, however, in this, as in so much else, the Suprema assumed control. A commencement of this is seen, in 1537, when it ordered that, whenever an auto was proposed, it should be apprised before any one else, but even the instructions of 1561 leave as yet the determination with the tribunals. It could not have been long after this, however, that the permission of the Suprema became requisite, for, in 1585, we find the inquisitor of Cuenca, Jiménez de Reynoso, writing, September 3rd, for a decision of certain cases, and for authority to hold an auto, as there were thirty penitents, many of whom being poor were a charge on the fisc. The Suprema delayed its answer, and on October 14th Reynoso sent a special courier, asking the reply to be returned by him. The auto was necessary for the benefit of the sick prisoners, as there was a pestilence raging, and also for the relief of the treasury. It was only by special entreaty that the receiver had paid the expenses of the last month, saying that there were no funds. This brought a speedy answer, with the desired permission. Finally, the customary routine was for the tribunal to send a list of the cases in readiness, and to ask for license to hold an auto. If the Suprema approved, it ordered the auto to be celebrated without delay. Apparently, in the active work of the eighteenth century, there was an effort to regain control of the matter, for a carta acordada of June 5, 1720, orders that no auto be held without advising the Suprema and awaiting its commands. As public autos became less frequent, they lost the simplicity of the earlier period, and grew to be imposing demonstrations of the authority of the Inquisition. Possession was taken of the principal square of the city, and two vast stagings were erected, one for the penitents and their ghostly attendants, and the other for the inquisitors with their officials and all the ecclesiastical and secular authorities, while the windows of the surrounding houses were filled with the notables of the place and their families. The participation of prelate and magistrate in the processions and spectacle was compulsory, 
for though, as a rule, they were proud to take their places, causes of quarrel were too frequent and bitter not occasionally to render them unwilling thus to do honor to their imperious adversaries. In 1486, the local authorities of Valencia absented themselves from an auto, and, when this was reported to Ferdinand, he rebuked them and ordered them in future always to be present, for nothing was so important as the service of God. Similar commands had to be repeated not infrequently. About 1580, a royal cedula to the viceroy and officials of Majorca instructs them to lend the weight of their authority to the Inquisition by accompanying the inquisitors in the procession to the staging, and then conducting them back to their palace. In 1588, the president of the Royal Council of Castile issued a general order to all the judges of the royal courts to march in the processions, and in 1598, the inquisitors were empowered to compel by excommunication the attendance of all public officials. The staging, on great occasions, was elaborate and costly, and the question of defraying the expense was variously decided. In 1553, we find the Suprema settling it in Cuenca by requiring the city to erect it, as was customary in Toledo. These two cities and Madrid remained charged with it, but elsewhere it was paid by the tribunals. At the great Madrid auto of 1632, Philip IV ordered the city to construct the staging in conformity with plans drawn by his chief architect, and the same course was followed in that of 1680, where we have long details of the complicated structure erected under the superintendence of commissioners of high rank, who esteemed the duty to be an honor. It was essential that both inquisitors should be present, and a single inquisitor was forbidden to celebrate a public auto in the absence of his colleague. The day selected must be a feast day, ordinarily a Sunday, in order to ensure a larger audience. It sometimes chanced, however, in the eccentricities of spiritual jurisdiction, that the city lay under an interdict on the day appointed, and in such a case the Inquisition had to yield. In 1582, the Suprema instructed the tribunals that, when this occurred, they should endeavor to have the interdict lifted for the occasion, but, if those who had cast it refused, the inquisitors must not assume to lift it of their own authority, and must postpone the auto, or do the best they could. In all other respects, the inquisitors were masters of the situation. Repeated royal cedulas, commencing in 1523, addressed to the authorities of the cities, made the inquisitors virtual rulers for the time. They were authorized to erect stagings in the public plazas, to regulate the police arrangements of the towns, and even to assign to the secular and clerical officials such seats and precedents as they saw fit. The climax would appear to be reached when Philip II empowered them to distribute at their will the windows of the private houses overlooking the scene. Against this, in 1595, the president and judges of the Audiencia of Granada protested, begging that house-owners should be allowed to rent their windows, and pointing out the hardship of a gentleman of high degree securing the use of a window for his family, and being turned out because the inquisitors chose to give it to a notary for the use of his wife. Philip, however, held good, 
except in so far that he gave the inquisitors instructions to have special consideration for the houses of the judges and alcaldes. How the tribunals exercised the police power thus conferred on them is exemplified in the Seville Auto of September 24, 1559, when they forbade any one, between the preceding midnight and the close of the solemnity, to carry arms or ride on horseback in the city, under penalty for common folk of a hundred lashes, and for gentlemen of forfeiture of the horse or mule, thirty days of prison, and a fine of fifty thousand maravedis. Numerous relations are extant, in print and in manuscript, of the great autos publicos generales, giving in more or less detail the elaborate ceremonial which developed itself in the effort to render impressive these crowning manifestations of the piety that regarded, as the highest service to God, the extermination of those who persisted in worshipping him according to their own consciences. These show that fashions varied somewhat with time and place. They give the point of view of the spectator, and we may preferably take as our guide a memoir of the seventeenth century, showing the internal machinery, according to the custom of Toledo, drawn up for the instruction of succeeding inquisitors. The minuteness of the rules prescribed shows what importance was attached to rendering the spectacle imposing, and to making manifest the subordination of the civil power, while the care taken to designate the exact place of every man or body of men indicates how fruitless was the authority granted to the tribunal in these matters to prevent the inveterate quarrels as to precedence. At the great Madrid auto of 1632, the Franciscans, indignant at the position assigned to them in the procession, after lively altercation retired sullenly to their convent, for which the Suprema prosecuted them. These undignified squabbles were so much a matter of course that our author, in describing the report to be made to the Suprema, assumes that a place must be reserved in it for them, and for the reasons which governed the tribunal in its decisions. When cases sufficient for an auto have accumulated, the tribunal reports them to the Suprema, which orders it to be held. Then the inquisitors determine on a feast day, which should be at least a month off, in order to give sufficient time for the preparations. Word is then sent to the Corregidor and the Dean of the Cathedral Chapter to convene their respective bodies at nine o'clock the next morning, to receive a communication from the Inquisition, and at the appointed hour, some of the higher officials, with familiars, announce to them and to the bishop the expected celebration. Then in due time, mounted familiars and notaries, with drums and trumpets and clarions, and the standard of the Inquisition, move in procession through the streets, and at stated places a bellman rings a bell, and the town crier proclaims, Know all dwellers in this city that the holy office of the Inquisition, for the glory and honor of God, and the exaltation of our holy Catholic faith, will celebrate a public auto de fe at such a place on such a day. No time is lost in making preparation. Commissioners are appointed for the erection and ornamentation of the staging, and wax is provided for the candles in the procession of the green cross on the evening before the auto. All the mendicant orders and the parish churches are invited to take part in the procession and the auto. 
letters of convocation are dispatched, summoning all familiars, notaries, commissioners, consultores, and calificadores of the district, under penalties and censures, to come on the day previous to the procession of the Green Cross. The frailes, who are to assist the condemned during their last night on earth, are selected and notified. Carosas, canonical mitres about three-quarters of an L in height, are ordered, with flames for those who are to be relaxed, and in the ordinary form for bigamists, sorcerers, and false witnesses. Also, sanbenitos with flames for the relaxed, with two aspas for the reconciled, and with one aspa, behind and before, for those abjuring de vehementi. Also, halters for the relaxed, and for those to be scourged. If there be effigies, they are made half-length to be carried on poles by porters. If there are bones, the boxes containing them are black, to be placed at the foot of those to which they belong. The effigies wear mitres with flames, and the sanbenitos with flames on one side, and on the other the name, residence, and crime of the culprit. Green crosses are also provided to be carried by the relaxed, yellow wax candles for the penitents, and bundles of osiers for the reconciliation ceremonies. There must also be a box for carrying the sentences, of crimson velvet with gold fringe and a gilt lock and key, while a list of the relaxed and the effigies is given to the magistrates, so that they have the sentences ready. Besides these, there is the large green cross to be borne by the Dominican prior, and the white cross by the mayordomo of the cofradia, in the procession of the preceding evening. The standard to be carried by the fiscal is to be made of crimson damask, richly embroidered on one side with the royal arms, a green cross rising from the crown, and a sword and olive branch to right and left, on the other side a shield with arms of San Pedro Martir. The staff is to be gilt, ending in a cross, with pendant cords bearing gold and silver tassels. Elaborate trappings are to be provided for the mules ridden by the officials, and silver-plated batons for the familiars who marshal the procession. The parish church usually supplies the carpets, hangings, and other adornments of the staging, and the singers for the evening procession and the reconciliation ceremonies. Then the preacher is appointed, usually a Dominican calificador, though in Galicia a bishop is generally selected, and in Madrid the royal confessor. The day before the auto, the altar on the staging is decorated, and torches and candles are arranged around the place where the green cross is to be set. The inquisitors assign all the windows overlooking the plaza. They order that no coaches shall traverse the streets, and decide where the barriers are to be erected. The municipal authorities surrender the city to them, and do whatever they require. In the evening preceding the auto, the procession of the Green Cross takes place, a solemn affair in which the standard is borne by a crowd of familiars and gentlemen. The white cross follows with the religious orders, the cross of the parish church with its clergy, the green cross carried by the Dominican prior and his frailes with torches and chanting the miserere. The procession winds through the designated streets to the plaza, where the green cross is planted above the altar and is guarded by Dominicans during the night. The white cross is carried on to the brasero, 
where it is guarded by a body, existing in some cities, known as the soldiers of the Sarsa, whose function is to guard the bracero and plaza, and to furnish the wood for the burning. The Inquisition itself is guarded during the night by soldiers who, before daybreak, arouse the officials by beat of drum. Within the building the sanbenitos and insignia are arranged in order, and porters are assembled in readiness to carry the effigies and bones, and such penitents as have been disabled from walking. At 9 p.m. the senior inquisitor, with a secretary, visits those who are to be relaxed, and informs them of their approaching fate. With each of them he leaves two frailes to guide them. If any of the pertinacious or negativos are converted, they are to be heard immediately, and their confessions received, when the inquisitors with the ordinary determine whether to admit them to reconciliation, and the same is done with those converted on the staging. Before dawn, Mass is celebrated in the audience chamber, and also at the altar of the Green Cross. By daylight, breakfast is given to all who are to appear in the auto, and also to the frailes assigned to the relaxed. They are not taken from their cells till the hour of forming the procession, when the penitents are ranged along the walls of the audience chamber in the order of their marching. All are dressed in their sanbenitos with the requisite insignia. The procession starts with the soldiers of the Sarsa at its head, then the cross of the parish church, shrouded in black, with an acolyte who tolls a bell mournfully at intervals. Then come the penitents, one by one, each with a familiar on either side. First are the impostors, then personators of officials of the Inquisition, followed in order by blasphemers, bigamists, Judaizers, Protestants, the effigies and chests of bones, and finally those to be relaxed, each with two frailes. Mounted officials follow, then familiars in pairs, the standard of the Inquisition, and finally the inquisitors bringing up the rear. Thus the procession moves through the designated streets, filled with a densely packed crowd, kept off by railings, to the plaza, where the culprits are seated in the same order, the lightest offenders on the lowest benches. The staging is provided with two pulpits, from which the sentences are read alternatively. Between them is a bench elevated on two steps, on which the penitents are brought successively, to sit with their faces to the tribunal and hear their sentences read. The bench is furnished with a rail, kindly provided for them to cling to in case of fainting. For, with the exception of the relaxed, this is the first definite announcement to them of their fate. Below the seats of the tribunal there is a room handsomely fitted up for refreshments, to which the inquisitors, officials, municipal officers, and clergy resort from time to time, and a similar one is provided for the familiars and persons of note. To the former is brought any pertinacious convict who may be converted on the staging previous to hearing his sentence, and there an inquisitor and secretary take his confession, after which the inquisitors and ordinary consider the case. If he is to be admitted to reconciliation, he is sent back to the Inquisition in a coach or chair, or is replaced on the staging to return with the rest of the penitents. If any culprit dies on the staging, if he is to be condemned to relaxation, his sentence is read and his body is delivered to the secular arm. 
If he is one of those to be reconciled, he is absolved and the parish church buries him in consecrated ground. If simply one penanced, he is absolved ad cautelum, and the church buries him. After the preaching of the sermon, a secretary mounts a pulpit, and in a loud voice reads the customary oath, elaborately pledging all the officials and people present to obedience to the holy office, and to the active persecution of heretics and heresy, to which everyone responds, Amen. If the king is present, the senior inquisitor goes to his balcony, and on the cross and gospels, administers to him an oath to defend the faith, to persecute heretics, and to show all necessary favor to the Inquisition. Then the sentences are read from the alternate pulpits, the alguacil mayor producing each culprit to hear his sentence. In this there must be no interruption, as all the sentences must be read if it lasts till nightfall, for which torches and torch-bearers must be in readiness. Although the sentences of the relaxed are left to the last, yet, if the auto is prolonged into the night, they are introduced earlier, as it is essential that the burning should be executed in broad daylight. As these sentences are read, the effigies and chests of bones are ranged on one side of the stage, and the living convicts on the other. They are then delivered to the secular arm, and the judge who utters the sentences does so, either on the stage, or at the table of the secretaries, or outside of the staging. If there is a Compañía de la Sarsa, it marches in squadron into the plaza, when the sentences are read, and the men discharge their arquebuses. They surround the condemned, and march with them to the brasero, to protect them from the populace, which in some places is accustomed to maltreat, and even to kill them, against which the inquisitors give special instructions. The magistrates provide the asses on which they ride, and the wood to burn them. The frailes in charge attend them to the last breath, and exhaust all effort to bring about their repentance and conversion. The public solemnities conclude with the ceremonies of abjuration and reconciliation, after which the aguacil mayor and the familiars conduct the penitents back to the Inquisition, where they have supper and are locked up, three or four in a cell. The priests of the parish church remove the black veil from their cross and take it back, while the Dominicans bear the green cross to the Inquisition, singing psalms and escorted by the municipal officials. The next morning the reconciled have the terms of their sentences read over to them. They and the other penitents take the oath of secrecy, and they are conveyed by the alcaide to the penitential prison. At ten o'clock the aguacil mayor, with a secretary and familiars, all mounted, with the public executioner and town crier, take out those sentenced to scourging and vergüenza, and the punishment is duly administered through the customary streets. On their return, those whose sentences include the galleys are furnished a certificate of their length of service, and are transferred to the royal prison, and with this concludes the stately ceremony by which the holy office, at the height of its power, impressed its terror on the population. The place of burning, the quemadero or bracero, as a rule was outside the city. With this the tribunal had nothing to do, except that a secretary and aguacil 
were present to certify and report as to the execution of the sentences. Consequently, the documents of the Inquisition furnish no details, but some may be gleaned from a relation of the Madrid Auto of 1632. For this occasion, the city had constructed the Bracero beyond the Puerta de Alcala. As there were seven to be burnt, it was made fifty feet square, and had the requisite stakes with garrets. The confusion and crowd were great, and so also was the fire which lasted until eleven o'clock at night, by which time the bodies were reduced to ashes, so that the memory of the impious might vanish from the earth. The scattering of the ashes over the fields, or into running water, was a prescription of old standing, to prevent disciples of heresiarchs from preserving fragments to be venerated as relics. This was not an easy matter, for the total calcination of a human skeleton requires a prolonged intensity of heat not likely to be maintained where wood was expensive, and the bones found with the cinders on the site of the old quemadero of Madrid, when, about 1868, the Calle de Carranza was cut through it, would indicate that part at least of the remains of the victims were allowed to lie where they had perished. End of section 27